to our public scripture reading, which is Psalm chapter 40, and reminding ourselves that overall, Psalm chapter 40 is an exuberant psalm of all-out praise to God for the fact of his delivering grace and mercy, which rescued David from an otherwise impossible escape. The overall theme of this psalm is the reward and renewal of waiting on God. The closing verses of Psalm chapter 40, which are verses 11 through 17, turn David's attention from praise to God for past deliverance to a petition to God for future deliverance. Here we might say that David's waiting on God is renewed. And what this teaches us is that as God's people preceding glory in this world, our life is one long trouble. Our life is one long trouble. Jesus promised us in John 16 and verse 33, in this world you will have tribulation. Count on it. That's a fact. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. And in Acts 14, 22, the apostle Paul encouraged the saints. He said, to continue in the faith and that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. So there is no such thing for a Christian to live a problem-free life. That is an illusion. That is a fantasy. That is an absolute fiction. And in David's case, his problems here in Psalm 40 were both inside and outside, within, without. One cause of his trials, he tells us in verse 12, was his own sins. His own sins. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says to the Lord, For evils have encompassed me beyond number, And what are these evils? My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Now, beloved, while we might not want to admit this, but a large cause of our problems are our own making. Our own making. Due to our disobedience and sinfulness. It is always very easy for us to project the blame of whatever our problems are. In fact, I would go so far as to say, and I'm speaking this directly to Christians, that because of the flesh, 
our own flesh. It is so much easier for us to default when it comes to whatever our present problems are and project the blame on either the people or the circumstances, but never, ever take a personal inventory and ask this question, what have I done? What have I done wrong? You say, well, now, I don't think I want to ask that question. You're right, because you probably won't like the answer. Clearly, David was very, very self-aware of his own heart. David, we do not find him here projecting the initial blame and the initial cause of his problems on other people. He took a personal account of his of his own heart and the sins that were his own. Again, look at what he says. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I, I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. Have you seen that much sin in your life? Where you would be able to say and confess, they're more than the hairs of my head? I think of one brother in another church where I pastored a long time ago who, who could only see one sin and only one in his life. Other than that one sin, he believed he was okay. And I had to break the news to him that there were actually several other sins that had just surfaced in his confession that he needed to deal with. We all could confess with David that our iniquities are more than the hairs of our head. Remember what the scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's no one who does good, not even one. That is good according to God's standard. Oh, now the world may applaud you and think you're wonderful. But let's measure, let's measure your life up against God's perfect standard. And then let's see how you do. We all fail. We all fall miserably short of his glory. Every single one of us. Every one of us. And many of our problems, brothers and sisters, understand this. Many of our problems do not start with the people around us. They start with, with us, with, with our own selves. We need to take to heart the great theologian Pogo, who said, we have found the enemy and he is us. 
Your biggest problem is you. Your biggest issues are not the people around you and not what everybody else has done in your life. No, your biggest problem is you. Go take a long look in the mirror because that is your biggest problem. Because I guarantee you that if we were to transport any one of you off on a lone island all by yourself, guess what? You're still going to have problems. And you can't blame anybody there because all you've got is you. Maybe the monkeys and the trees, but they've done nothing to you. No, all you've got is you. And you know what? That's all you need is just yourself to have a really problem-filled life. This is what those in the early church who started monasticism did not understand. Well, if we just escape the city and build ourselves, build ourselves these, these little you know, inner walls, these, 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 these convents, and then we'll be problem-free. Just get away from the city and we'll just all be to ourselves. Well, the problem was that they never faced their own personal sin. And monasticism was an absolute disaster and still is today. So there is a problem that David had, which was first with David. And beloved, that's where we all need to begin. We need to begin first with the biggest problem we have, which is with ourselves, like David. But then notice, David not only had problems on the inside, but he also had trials going on the outside as well. Another cause of David's trials, he tells us, were his enemies who were using his sins to exploit him. Now look at verses 14 and 15. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. What, what is behind that? What's behind the aha? It's that David fell and his fall here was obviously public. It was, it was in front of the eyes of others, and these particular people were pointing their finger at him saying, we've got you now. Aha. Hmm. There are enemies we might face whose sole ambition is to capitalize on our sinfulness. If you ever encounter someone who believes their mission in life is to keep you humble, run away. They're not a friend, they're an enemy. They're an enemy. You say, how so? Well, in this, in this regard, they're waiting with bated breath for you to fall. And when you fall, they're going to be like these people in Psalm 40. They're going to be right there. 
as you're lying in the ditch, not to help you up out of the ditch like a true friend would. No, they're going to be standing over the ditch to keep you down there because, you know, our mission is to keep you humble. And so they don't mean you, they, listen, they do not mean your welfare. They're not about your welfare. They're about your hurt, your harm. They're not friends. They're enemies. And I dare say many of those kinds of people are even within the visible church. It's kind of interesting, though, when I read the word of God, I don't find anywhere in scripture where it says that our mission as fellow Christians is to keep each other humble. We are to pray for one another and love one another and encourage one another, and we're to admonish one another. But please show me where it says our mission is to keep each other humble. If there is a fellow Christian that you know that really needs to be humble, they need to learn greater humility because of their own pride that is very glaring and everybody in the world can see it, then here's what you need to do. You need to pray to the only one who can keep them humble. You need to pray and ask the Lord to humble them. First of all, and any of us who've been Christians for any length of time should know this. Ain't nobody can humble you like God. God can lay you in the dust like no one can. But here's something else about the Lord when he humbles his children. Listen to me. This is what he does that we cannot do. He will humble us always for our good. He will not keep us in the ditch. He'll bring us out. He'll help us. He will not harm us. He will work in us to grow us and mature us and to make us better. To make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. You and I don't have the power to do that. We can't do that. But God can and God does. And so... And so if a fellow Christian needs humbling, it's not our mission to keep them humble. Instead, we pray that God will humble them because only the Lord has the wisdom to know where they need humbling and how they need humbling and what's going to bring that to pass. And if you're honest enough with yourself, that's just humbling to think about. Because frankly, for many Christians, we think we know what we really don't know about other people in the complexity of their lives. Only God knows everything about everything at all times. And so we will, we will cast our cares on the all-knowing God who is the all-powerful God who can and will do what we cannot and that is to grow this fellow believer in greater humility that we may have the eyes to see they need, but we don't have the power to do it. 
Only the Lord does. Only the Lord does. But here in Psalm 40, despite David's troubles, these troubles within, these troubles without, despite these troubles, what do we see David doing? Where did he turn? He renewed his hope in God. That's what he did. He renewed his hope in God. Only the Lord could deliver David. So where did David go? He went to the Lord. He turned to the Lord. Look at how he speaks about this. Verse 11, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And then, verse 16 and 17, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Brothers and sisters, that is a faith worth imitating. That is a faith worth following. You have problems within. You have problems without. Where do you go? You go to the Lord. You go to the Lord because only the Lord can deliver. Only the Lord can deliver. He alone has the power. He alone has the wisdom. He alone can take us in whatever our circumstances may be and he can work for us a work of redemption, a work of salvation, a work of deliverance that will take us out of Psalm 40 talking about looking at the past that miry bog that God delivered him from and so David begins Psalm 40 praising God for the deliverance from the past David ends Psalm 40 renewing that praise renewing that hope renewing that waiting on God to do what only God can do. To be our deliverer. To be our help. To set us free. From what has entrapped us. From what has overcome us. That no one else. Can deliver us from. Let's pray. Our Holy Father, thank you, Lord God, for the example that we have in Psalm 40 of the faith of this man after your own heart, a faith worth imitating here, to be sure. 
a faith that was utterly humble before you, Lord, and relying upon you. And that no matter how, how overwhelming and even astonishing David's trials were, he continued, Lord, to run back to you as his only hope, his only salvation, the only one who could truly de deliver him, set him free from whatever trials he faced. And Father, because you are the great immutable God who changes not, because Jesus Christ our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we therefore know that as we read Psalm chapter 40 and we read of where your servant David turned, the grace that worked in him to so turn to you, Lord, we know and are confident is the same grace that is in every child of God by the power of the Spirit to so work in us, to cast all our cares on you. Whether it is the great cares, the great anxieties that we face and struggle because of our own internal warfare with the flesh, with remaining sin. Or perhaps it is the cares and the concerns of people who may in fact be seeking and trying to do us great harm. Lord, whatever the trouble is, we look to you to take care of our troubles. We trust in you and trusting you for the same grace that you gave your servant David that we know we have in Christ to trust in you with all our hearts not leaning on our own understanding but in all our ways acknowledging you knowing that you will mark out and make our pathway straight and even in any and every trial we are going through. And so, Father, we pray earnestly that you would not let any one of us miss the great biblical principles, the great truths that are here in Psalm 40 that we have gleaned from, we have mused on, Lord, let us not just take these things as mere theories, but we pray the Holy Spirit would work them so much in our hearts they will become ruling convictions so that our default in whatever circumstance we are facing, no matter how trying it may be, our default, Lord, will be to call upon you and to look to you trusting in whatever your good and holy purpose is working for us, not against us, and thereby working to our greater spiritual and eternal benefit and good. For these things, blessed Father, we give you thanks. 
and we renew our trust in you this day. Our great, eternal, omnipotent, all-knowing, holy God. We bless you and praise you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.